Now entering Nerdist.com. Sleepyheads, and welcome to the Sleepy Cast, the official Sleepy Hollow podcast on the Nerdist Podcast Network. I'm your host, Clark Wolf. Thank you all so much for joining us. Guys, that's a wrap. That's it on season two of Sleepy Hollow. The season two finale aired last night, and wow. I mean, did you guys love it? Because I kind of loved it. Um, I feel like the season ended so strong, and uh, and if and when it comes back for a season three, I absolutely cannot wait to see what they do next. First things first, a little bit of Sleepy Cast housekeeping. If you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, you know that last week I called for questions for the one and only Miss Nicole Bahari. Unfortunately, our interview with Nicole was canceled. Uh, we are working hard to reschedule it before our Sleepy Cast finale next week. So, fingers crossed, I have your questions and we are ready to roll. So, here's hoping that we are able to reschedule our time with Miss Nicole Bahari. Now let's go ahead and get to our Sleepy Cast episode today. We sat down with showrunner and episode writer, Mr. Mark Goffman, and we talked for a long time. I think this is our longest single Sleepy Cast interview ever, but I just wanted to go in depth on every single thing that happened in this episode. I felt like it was jam packed with, uh, you know, resolution for season one and season two, having a lot of fun playing on our love for that pilot episode and kind of turning turning it on its ear, and even adding some season three Easter eggs, which Mark will explain himself. So well, let's get to it. Uh, I'm going to let Mark and I do the explaining. And so here he is, showrunner and episode 218 writer, Mr. Mark Goffman.
So, Mark Goffman, thank you so much for coming into Meltdown. Oh, thanks for having me. It's my first time here. It's really cool. I'm so glad you like it. Yeah, Albert, Kim, and Damien, and Raven have all been here in the last couple of weeks, and they've all been like, ooh, and like, <laughs> you know, been sucked into the comic book adventure downstairs. Oh, it's a fun environment to uh, to do one of these with all the, you know, here's Star Wars paraphernalia <laughs> right in front of me. And- <laughs> Um, Shelves full of comics, yeah. It's it's, very cool. Yeah, we've got the Mars Attacks alien in the corner, of course. Nice. Um, But yeah, so I'm I'm so, so, so thrilled to be talking about 218, the the season finale of season two that you wrote. Congratulations. I was telling you before we started recording, I love this episode. Oh, thanks. It's really, really good. And uh, it it bounces so well off of 217. Um, And, you know, when we had Raven in here last week, we, we kind of discussed like, you know, since you guys didn't actually write these two episodes together, but they seem like they work so well in tandem. Like, you know, how how we write? I mean, we all write pretty closely together. Every episode is broken in the room. Every episode, every writer works on, especially as you get towards the end of the season. Um, we really work as, as a group. And, and, you know, first we become pretty cohesive because people have now sort of gotten the rhythm of the show. But also just, you know, as you get later and later in the season and there are fewer episodes to do, we all get to work together more. So um, it becomes a lot uh, a lot of fun for me, actually, to get to, to you know, after the, the chaos in the middle of the season to get to work very closely and spend a little more time mm-hmm. in the room and, and work with all the writers again. Well, so let's talk about the actual episode. And I, I actually noticed in the um, this opening scene uh, where Ichabod's, you know, loading his rifle and we're back in, it looks like we're back in time. Uh, and he's, you know, charging on the battlefield. I feel I've seen this scene before. <laughs> I saw this scene a long time ago. So can we can we tell the listeners a little bit of behind the scenes info on this? Well, yeah. As we broke the episode, even starting with um, the Act Six portion that mm-hmm. starts in uh, episode two seventeen, we really wanted to pay tribute uh, to the pilot and make sort of an homage to both the cinematic style in which it was shot and also play off of a lot of the scenes that people have seen and have become part of the iconic imagery of the show. So, you know, we have Abby when she wakes up in the forest, Mm -hmm. mirroring the way Crane wakes up, and then she stumbles upon a road and she sees uh, a a carriage comes out of nowhere instead of a car, Mm -hmm. instead of an 18-wheeler. We didn't want to do it shot for shot because that seems a little gimmicky, Mm -hmm. but we wanted at least to give people a reminder of what that feeling was like and now reverse it and give that feeling to Abby. And um, I thought that was pretty effective. And then, um, you know, when uh, they they came up with the idea, um, Robert Lidecker, our um, uh, composer, Mm -hmm. had this uh, just brilliant rendition of... um, uh, oh my sympathy gosh! For the devil. It's so great. It just really carries us through that um, scene, and it, it's a lot of fun. So, and then, uh, so in the in the opening of uh, of you know two eighteen, Ichabod yep. is there, and he's uh, at least this is the cut I saw. Ichabod's there, and he's mm-hmm. on the battlefield, and and he's rushing around, and then Captain Crane kind of gets called, uh, and uh, and they say, you know, there's this woman, and she's talking about you. She has this information, and Ichabod's, of course, like, whoa. <laughs> now I'm curious um, in terms of you know. It, it seemed to me like uh, watching this episode and watching Tom sort of play out 
Ichabod. It was really cool because it really was this blast from the past. It was almost yeah. a completely different character. Yeah, we talked about that a lot as we were toning the episode. And um, Tom, Tom actually said to me at one point, he goes, I like that uh, Ichabod Crane of 1781 is a bit of a <laughs> 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 But he is. <laughs> But, you know, we, we went into what, – what we wanted to establish is, you know, this is his time period. Right. And he had all these pressures on him. He had just sort of gotten into Washington's inner circle. Mm-hmm. He was moving his way up the ranks. Um, at one point it was in the script that uh, he had only recently made captain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he we'd already seen pieces of his relationship with both Jefferson, who he had been unfriended, and we showed that in an episode – pretty recently. And then um, Franklin has this kind of love-hate relationship. So sure. he really wasn't like the, um, you know, all part of the in crowd. He was still working his way through and he had, uh, you know, issues with his wife that he was dealing with. And that's that's who he was madly in love with. And so all we, I, we wanted to establish that at this time, Crane was really, you know, took himself pretty seriously and was in the middle of a war, mm-hmm. a, a revolution to change the the course of America and, or to create America. Right. And so that mindset is where he started. He's on a battlefield where, you know, friends, comrades are dying mm-hmm. and he's pulled off this battlefield for, you know, uh, what seemed like a fool's errand. And we really wanted to get that across in those first couple of scenes. So Abby really had her work cut out for her. Yeah. Well, and it's so, it's so funny, too, because, you know, as an audience, it it – I it doesn't it wasn't hard for me to accept or process but what was fun for me was to realize oh my god Ichabod doesn't know anything like he doesn't know anything (laughs) he doesn't know Katrina's a witch he doesn't know that magic exists like he knows nothing at this point he he's starting and unlike you know the pilot where Ichabod wakes up and everything is so surreal and he's out of his, he's the fish out of water. So he has to kind of accept what's happening. And he has that great line about, well, all of this is impossible because that means it's not real. And um, in this pilot, he's, he's coming to Abby and he is in his reality. Right. So Abby's the one who now has to say, well, you think this is your reality, but actually what you don't know is you're, you're kind of in the matrix. You know? yeah. yeah. It's, well, uh-huh. it's, it's really, it, this, this episode is such a role reversal in many, many different ways. Yeah. Um, something that, you know, we'll get to later is this idea of, well, basically, okay, so going forward, you know, Ichabod, they bring him to this cell, he confronts Abby, and he is not buying it at first, but then she starts, you know, she knows everything at this point. So she can kind yeah. of, key him into things about the battle things about him things about all these things and he starts to go uh you know of course i don't believe you but how can I, you know too much how do you know how do you know all of this yeah and this is something i actually talked with nicole a lot as we you know we're, we're prepping the episode you know abby's smart enough to know that she can't just walk in there and you know say hey guess what i'm from the future and here's what's going on and there's a, a witch and blah, and there's no way Crane's going to believe that because at that time he didn't know any of this. Right. And so she had to be able to say enough to convince him mm-hmm. and enough to l- pique his interest. And that's where, um, you know, she's smart enough to know just what to say to, you know, to lead him on to get him interested and take her with him. Mm-hmm. But yet still, 
you know, not say so much that she that he's going to think she's crazy and dismiss him. Right. And that was the line that they walked up until they got to Franklin. Yes. So before <laughs> we get to Franklin, though, what was so fun? So okay, they you know he takes Abby out. They take Abby out onto the battlefield. She notices all the decapitations. She you know walking him through all of this stuff and, and the whiskey and the yeah. whiskey <laughs> exactly. And um and Ichabod starts to believe her, but he also is in trouble with his superior for kind of yeah. going off and and so he talks into. He talks to the general. And, and that, that also um, was inspired by um, when I was watching the pilot. I love the scene between Abby and Irving where she has to convince Irving that she's going to take him, take Crane, to uh, the asylum. And um, so this seemed like a really good opportunity to kind of mirror that structure, mirror that same conversation. But now it's Crane. Yep. And, you know, it's varied enough because it's his world and right. he knows Sutton and, you know, they already don't like each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has to deal with the, the fact that he also is pulled by his own desire to, you know, stay on the battlefield. Um, but he he knows that there's something strange enough about Abby, her clothes, and, you know, we get to see a little bit of his, you know, intellect at work there as he's piecing together that he, you know, there's something, there's enough with Abby that he's got to follow that lead um, and he's going to, you know, just like Abby does in the pilot, he's going to take advantage of one last chance yeah. and, and it's a, a drive, you know, in this case to an encampment um, which, uh, you know, I also tried to make some uh, man-out-of-time jokes here. Mm-hmm. And that it takes a long time to go three miles, and <laughs> carriages were rather rugged. <laughs> the roads weren't quite paved yet, you know. Well, uh, that's exactly what I was about, what I was okay. going to say. No, no, I love it. I love it. It's so fun. Like, especially with last week's episode and this week's episode, it's such an incredible uh, treat, I think, for fans <laughs> who have been with the show from the beginning to be like, this is just like in the beginning. But it totally works, by the way. Good, I feel like you good, guys good, struck good. this balance. It doesn't feel gimmicky. It does, Like you said, it doesn't feel like, you know, oh, or remember that pilot? It's like, no, this is this is actually how it would be. And as fans, we're like, oh my god, they're right back where they started, essentially. Okay. That, was, that was very much the intention. I mean, we tried to put in a few Easter eggs that everything should stand on its own, but if you've watched the pilot, then it's going to be that much more enjoyable. Like we start the scene with Abby trying to adjust the um, the curtain in the carriage, which mirrors Crane playing with the, um, the window, the window yes. in, in the seat, you know, in, in the uh, police car. Yes, that's so. great. So meanwhile, as they are, so, you know, Abby convinces Ichabod as they're en route to this asylum or wherever they're, mm-hmm. you know, he's trying to take her. She convinces him, we need to talk to Ben Franklin. And so they're, they, they kind of take a detour. Um, but while this is happening, Katrina, Katrina is there. Mm-hmm. Now, Katrina, um, Katrina is looking for Ichabod, and uh, she finds out that he did not get cut down in battle, and he's not injured. And she's like, "Oh gosh, I know why." And then she and she finds out that Abby has intervened, and she's pissed. Yeah, again, the, it's a such a like it's a scene that we played a lot in flashbacks, particularly in season one, um, where Crane is struck down on the battlefield, mm-hmm. and Katrina's there with Reverend Knapp, and they. Um, you know, do this spell to put him in, sus- in suspended in time. 
Um, so to play back that moment, she knows exactly where he'll be. This is the whole purpose of her going back in time is she's going to reverse what happened. She made the biggest mistake of her life in letting Crane live and choosing Crane over her son. This time she's going to let Crane die. And that means finding him in that bed, in that hospital bed where he should die and not performing that spell and making mm-hmm. sure that he bleeds out. And, you know, to her shock, <laughs> he's not there, which it can't be. That means history has been altered. Yeah. And since she's the only person back, you know, she's immediately suspicious. Well, and speaking of history being altered, so last week Raven said a said this great thing where he said, any young writers out there, here's my advice to you. Stay away from time travel. But he <laughs> referred to it as an ice cream headache, headache of a problem, which I think... Al- when I pitched this idea to Bob and Alex, because um, we actually, I, this is one of the ones I came up with very early in the season that we were, we, when we, back when we thought we were doing 13 episodes, <laughs> um, that we were going to end the season on this. And we thought it would actually be either the second to last or the last scene of the season. And then we would start the next season really playing out this storyline. But when I said it, they go, because they, they were, uh, I think, working on Edge of Tomorrow at the time. And they're like, really? You're going to go down that rabbit hole? <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> because it's like, it's so fun, but at the uh, same time, oh my gosh. Yeah. There are a lot of rules and um, just basic parallels and inconsistencies that you kind of have to address head on. And I mean, for me, it was like this fantasy of like getting to write a cross between Back to the Future and Terminator in the same, you know, in the Sleepy Hollow world. So I was like determined we were going to do it and we were going to figure out a way. And I I forget how we came up with it, but it it took a while um, to actually come up with the idea of the the essentially a control alt z you know the undo yes yes a magic a magic <laughs> and, uh, undo and so we can just key. put everything back exactly then we don't have to deal with like well are there two cranes or two katrinas or um as we went through all i mean we did spend probably weeks in the room spinning on different permutations do we want do we want to go back and have katrina as the witch katrina but then the good katrina and you know do we want to and it just it does start to you know, give you that ice cream headache. And so kind of wanted to make, because this episode is, is just, it's fun to see Abby and Crane essentially fall in love all over mm-hmm. again, to get to know each other all over again. Um, I didn't want to get too bogged down in the rules of time travel and all of the different kind of permutations that they were going through. So I wanted to keep them kind of as clear, as simple as possible to just so that we could stick on the story and mm-hmm. just let the two of them have fun and, and let it play out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, there was so much. Really, we could have spent episodes there. Yeah. I think it would have been a lot of fun. Um, and maybe we will. <laughs> so, But for this specific one, just getting those rules like to the point where they're understandable. We know what we're doing. We know who each character is. That's why in episode 17 we wanted to be very... Very clear. We're establishing Katrina wakes up in her own body. Mm-hmm. She realizes she's pregnant with mm-hmm. um, Jeremy, that Abby is in the woods in 1781. And then we can kind of just, we're off running. Got it. So speaking of Katrina, uh, she finds the horseman, which I, I loved yeah. this scene. I thought this <laughs> was so cool because, you know, it's like, again, I love, I just, the, look, it the pilot episode is never going to go anywhere. The last however many episodes of Sleepy Hollow are not going to go anywhere. So we know that that's the reality up until this point. Yeah. For me, as a viewer, it was so fun to watch all these little, oh, how would it have played out if this went over here, if that went over there? Yeah. And so watching Katrina kind of plead to Abraham and be like, I know you're Abraham. 
Abraham because also this is what's fun. Abby has all of this knowledge for good, but Katrina has all of this knowledge still on the other end of it. That's absolutely right. And and the horseman like he's still searching for Crane. Just like he's just, yes. he's flipping over bodies looking for Crane and that's where she finds him. She knows that he's going to be still near that battlefield looking for his kill. Mm-hmm. And uh so you know when she comes across him um, again, that was a, a really fun scene to construct um, because this is one where you know we wanted to establish that this that Katrina has now completely bought into you know there's no going back mm-hmm. in episode seventeen. You know, she is now so stricken. She's beyond repair. She's embraced the grimoire, so she's embraced this blood magic mm-hmm. um, that she's wholly committed, and she's going to even show that to the horseman. Like I'm not with you. Yeah. Let me kill this, you know, colonial soldier to show you. Right. So and uh okay, so so that's going on. By the way, I love I love the parallel of like the two men in their lives and then the two ladies and like all of it. It's just a great little chess match in a way. Like they're both using their pawns. Like these two women are like, I gotta it's just great. I just I dig it. But okay. So um speaking of Abby and Ichabod, all right, so they arrive, they find Franklin. Mm-hmm. And first of all, so great to see Franklin back because he's such a fun character. Busfield. Uh, God, I, I told him this was very early on. I didn't know what like even before I had started um, thinking about the episode, I knew I wanted Busfield in it again because I had so much fun with him at the beginning of the year, and I thought this is a great way to go full circle. He's such a fun character to write. He he just he plays it so well. It's a really a fresh take on Franklin, um, and you know I just thought it would be and getting to see you know in the in what lies beneath we got to see Abby meet a founding father, mm-hmm. and I thought well that's it's really interesting and and. It's a cool opportunity, and um, in that story, we got a chance, you know, she got a taste of it, but to get to really spend time with Franklin and have her enjoy and have him enjoy what America's become through her, that really was what moved me, that I thought, wow, this is, you know, for, for Franklin, who's dedicated his life to the creation of a nation where everyone has equal opportunity, to then see that 200 and some years later... Abigail Mills, this woman exists, who's everything that he could have dreamt of for the country. It was just an exciting scene to write. And then you can have fun with all the, you know, the the future that he, he, of course, he wants to know about himself. (laughs) Well, that was the thing, too, is I I love how, uh, I love how immediately, like, because, you know, look, the idea of Abby Mills in this time period, you know, people have react, people are reacting with to her with great hostility. There's, yeah. you know, and so, but what was fun was she, you know, Ichabod's like, I don't know how this is going to go. And he opens the door and immediately he's like, hey, good looking. Like immediately he's flirting with Abby, which was hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, and of course. He just gotten back from France. So he's, uh, <laughs> so he's, he's in the mood. A, he's in a good mood. Um, but I also, like you said, I had no, you know, I had, I really liked how he kind of had no problem believing everything Abby said, you know, in terms of like, well, this is the magic and this is what's going on and this is what we need. And he kind of was like, well, okay. Well, I felt like, again, over the season we had established that, you know, uh, not only had he been to England and um, been undercover and, you know, infiltrated the Hellfire Club Mm -hmm. that he knew of this evil. He had just tried to destroy this key to purgatory um, in uh, episode seven, we show 207, 
you know, we showed that he he understood a lot more to the side of evil. He also in actually in um, the Kindred, we showed that first. I thought it would be fun to have the the Kindred Finally, there, we get to see him again. I know <laughs> we've been wanting to. Sh- to <laughs> Resurrect the, their kindred all seasons. So I give them a little cameo. In the, I like in the how finale. she goes. Thanks for that. Yeah. By the way, that was great. Um, but he he had clearly worked with witches. I mean, there was actually the the, the fla- in the flashback. Um, Franklin winks at Katrina uh, in the in the kindred. So we knew that um, the the coven had worked with Franklin and uh, Washington. We knew that their alliance had helped build. So. There was enough, you know, I, I thought to build on that that he could, in just quickly assessing Abby and asking her a few questions and looking at her clothes, realize she's the real deal. Yeah. Well, and so, so uh, on that, you know, it, now now the less fun part is Abby in telling this story and in kind of communicating what she know. She still hasn't quite revealed who this woman is, who this witch is, and that I thought was a really cool choice because she must know. Well, I can't come right out with it because if I do, Crane, I know Crane and how he's going to react. Yeah, that's that's part of you know Abby being very savvy in in this whole thing. She. Is giving him small doses to you know to to get to the point where she's able to you know get to Franklin's and then knowing that Franklin is somebody that Crane would believe mm-hmm. um, and now she's got somebody who's completely bought into her story right. that her her idea was okay now the two of us together now that he understands that there's there's a basis here let's tell him the whole story and let's all figure out a plan together because. Crane is very smart, and the two of us together, you know, for the last two seasons, have figured out any problem that we've faced. And that was really what was in her mind. And then Franklin says, no, 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 no. (laughs) We're, you know what, like, there's no reason to risk it. Essentially, all we got to do, because this Crane is never going to exist. We're going to go back and undo time anyway. So why bog it down? Why waste another second or anyone's breath on trying to convince him of something that if we just undo it all – then we can put everything back. So let's get let's get to Frederick's Manor as quickly as possible. That was great. That was that was so great. It just kind of moved it right along. Forget all of that. Just reverse the spell, and you go, oh yeah, well that's a great idea. Thanks, Ben Franklin. Um, <laughs> well, that's but, why he's Ben. That's right. That's why he's on the hundred dollar bill. Yes, right? and 100. not the two. Exactly, yeah. not the two. So, but unfortunately for our heroes, here come Katrina and Headless, and they are not happy. So he's not headless yet. Oh, that's right. I'm. I know. You know Wait. what? That's the thing. I keep writing in my notes. I, his name is Headless Stu. Yeah, we just call him Headless Stu, and then I'd have to remind myself. I, I ended up in the script, I call him the Horseman. Yes. Yes. And because there are, I guess there are no more horsemen at this point. Yeah. But, you know. I also had to be careful not to ever have Abby call him Abraham because that brought up a whole new right. can of worms of, of Crane doesn't know that the Horseman is Abraham. Ugh. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that has to be true. Yeah, there's a lot to keep track of. Was, there, there was a lot. It just choosing which you know which story points. I mean, really, I just kept it to what do we need to know to tell this story, yeah. and um, you know that was kind of my my guiding principle because there you know like I said we could have we could have spent. Many episodes yes. there, and, and maybe we will. Maybe we will. So, okay, not headless. The horseman uh, comes in, and oh my god, he chopped off Benjamin Franklin's head. 
That was crazy. Surprising? <laughs> Very surprising. Okay, good. I couldn't believe it. And so, like, when, where did you guys come up with the idea of decapitating Benjamin Franklin? Or, yeah. I, well, once, once I had the idea that, like, we were going to start this episode with history going completely off the rails. Uh-huh. We were going to start it, it, you know, unlike Back to the Future, where it's like, oh, we have to... You know, we have until the dance to get everything back to its, you know, trigger point and then I can leave and everything will be fine. I was like, well, let's let's start this episode at that trigger point and then we're then we're completely screwed. So kind of like running right past that. So we're already off what history is going to be. Well, once once we've already deviated from history, we can do anything. And we know that we're going to undo it, so why not, why not kill Franklin? <laughs> why not kill Franklin? Um, I want. I honestly, I just, I wanted things to just keep getting worse for for Abby. Um, that everything they try, just it, it going worse and worse and worse, and you know, the the fate of the country, like just sinking, and uh, you know, the situation becoming more and more dire, and that seemed like kind of the the best way to handle it and to have our characters again just the two of them have to figure it out together they can't rely just like in the future they can't just rely on franklin Mm -hmm. well and i just to just to that point uh i literally wrote down jaw on the floor (laughs) (laughs) i just was like i i couldn't and um, yeah we'll get to that but okay so horseman gets away but now abby and crane are locked up and they are in Big trouble. Like, they are in big trouble. And Ichabod is just absolutely horrified. And this is, again, you know, a a good example of Tom having to go back to this old Ichabod, right? How would would buttoned-up former Ichabod react to this? I mean, he's just like, my life is over at this point. Yeah, and that's why you have to, you know, I tried to keep putting myself in in his shoes as opposed to knowing everything that we know. Right. It's... This is his reality. Is I, I live in 1781. I live. Uh, I, I am a soldier. You know, fighting for my country, fighting to start a country, fighting to you know keep my own self esteem. I have to live with these people, and that's why I added the the line as they walk up to Franklin's. You know, assuming I don't die or become suspended in time, you know, <laughs> I got a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, and so he does, and and now he has even more. Um, and and he's just horrified because now he's you know his mentor has died. I mean somebody who's so meaningful to him and Abby he's known for ten minutes, right? And so take her word for it. He's now starting to you know really doubt that anything that she said is true and wonder if he's been taken by a you know a double agent, essentially sure. someone whose whose whole effort was to take advantage of you know Franklin's predilection for the supernatural and just to you know. To do what's really happened and the result is, you know, the the fate of our country is now in serious jeopardy because of the events of today. And that's really because of the events of, of what Abby has caused. And to add insult to injury, really bad timing. Well, not bad timing. She has to break the news. But, oh, boy, Abby says, well, by the way, Katrina's a witch and she's pregnant. And I know all this stuff, and she's after you. Yeah, it wouldn't have been so bad had Franklin lived right. <laughs> to uh, back her up here. But she, she now she doesn't have him. She's you know she's uh, there's no safety net, and there's no way you know Crane's going to give her another benefit of the doubt. Um, but she really has no choice because yeah. without. 
divulging the truth. And and you know, I also wanted to show like, Crane is smart enough to know that there was there was something that she said that made Franklin want him to leave the room. Yes, and to give them that privacy. And whatever that conversation was was enough that they made a plan without him. Mm-hmm. And you know, he picked up on that, mm-hmm. and so he now needs to know what what they said. And she's decided, you know, to go against Franklin's, you know, very certain wishes that you don't want to tell him this, but she trusts herself that he'll believe her. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's too much to take. Yeah. Well, and as he's walking away and as he's like, I'm over this, I'm done. Uh, you know, Abby says, you have to look at my phone. And of course, he's just like, nonsense, nonsense. Well, yeah, it's all it's all gibberish to him. And um, but I did want to show that he still knows there's something not right. Yes. He still, despite everything, he stops in that hallway. He doesn't want her to see him stop. So he stops once he's past her line of sight and he listens and he and he does listen to what she says because we see later he he goes back, but um, he just can't bring himself to accept what she's saying. Yet. Yeah. Well, so so he goes home. He goes home to find the these spices on the table, and Katrina's there, and you know, wh- like it's this. Well, he goes home because he's also relieved of duty. I mean, sure. This is, this is the the worst day of his life. Ugh. And he goes home to, to, little does he know, his wife is about to murder his ass. Um, but that doesn't happen. So, but yeah. Well, he, but he also would have died had Abby not saved him earlier. He doesn't know that, but, you know. That's yes. Yeah, so so, but it's it's some it's a great it's such a great um, thing to watch because he's on edge. He's walking into this this spider's web in a way he doesn't know it though. And and but I loved how he if he the, in this scene. They're both, you know, Katya and Tom really played this scene in a way that I thought was, it was like on pins and needles, but everything's fine. It was this really cool, like, it was cool to see. It was very, like, Great. weird, you know? But it was... <laughs> it was it was uncomfortable, and yet they're trying to both be familiar, and and she's also <laughs> levitating a knife behind <laughs> <Exactly>. his back. <laughs> but also, you know, this is the first time that Katrina, who knows everything has seen Ichabod, who knows That's nothing. Right. I really wanted this scene. You know, I actually struggled with it because um, as I was crafting it, I kept getting to this scene and going, you know, because I, I, I knew there had to be a scene where they see each other in the past. But she's become she, – so, you know, she clearly she's powerful. Um, you know, wouldn't she just want to kill him right away? Mm-hmm. But the truth is – she can't kill him right away because she knows that Abby's back. That's right. And the two of them are more powerful than anything. And, and her out in this world in any form um, is not something that she can live with. So she's really playing this scene to find out where Abby is mm-hmm. and how she can get to her. Right. And then maybe once she finds that out, then maybe she can take care of I- I- Ichabod. But she's got to do this delicate dance and she um, – yeah, and, and there's an, there's enough just strangeness in this that Crane is picking up on it, and he's, you know, he's noticed the the um, um, you know the, all of these elements that that are ingredients that she he's seen her do you know make for um, you know pregnant women mm-hmm. in the past, and that was something we we did some research to to find out, mm-hmm. and then um, 
we we wanted to keep the book a little bit to the side. Mm-hmm. So and it's open. So he's never seen the grimoire before, but he knows enough about the symbology that you know once once he does actually get to lay eyes on it, he's like, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's too much of what what Abby and Franklin were talking about. So. Well, well, and also, you know, it just kind of hit me because I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the idea of Katrina needing to get to Abby, and and you know, it's almost like. I would love to see in another alternate universe hmm. the the kind of showdown between the two of them. And I don't mean like in a superficial way, like over Ichabod or over any of this stuff. What I mean is the idea that Katrina has become a very powerful force and she clearly sees Abby as an ad- as a worthy opponent yeah, in a absolutely. way. There's a lot of weight being put into I need to find this woman because this is a woman who could probably take me down more than l- anybody else has been able to or could be able to. I just I know that's kind of projecting a little bit, but mm-hmm. as I unpack the scene and the motivations in my head, that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's right. And she also knows that with any amount of time, Abby and Ichabod together right. become the really the most powerful force yes. against evil there is. So she's got to stop that. So then, of course, like as you know, it's getting closer, getting closer. Washington's you know f- troops come or soldiers come, and they they yeah. sent for you, and uh, so he he gets pulled out. He gets rescued by Washington, um, who, by the way, Katrina also hates because he betrayed this coven, and that's a whole nother can of worms. But yeah. so he gets out, though. He gets out, and uh, and Ichabod is able to ask uh, to run a little side a little side mission and go investigate mm-hmm. this thing that Abby has has told him about, or on a hunch, on a and and in a great bit of. In a great bit of Ichabodness, trying to play with the phone and figure out yeah. the phone. Yeah, it was. Well, I, I wanted to have <laughs> some. I, I mean, it's always so much fun to, to give Ichabod a modern piece of technology yes. and hear his social commentary on it. Or just if Tom is so great with physical humor. You know, I wanted I wanted him to get to play with a modern device, and and um, uh, you know, this seemed like the perfect opportunity. And I also wanted it to take painfully long yes. to happen. So, you know, to really amp the jeopardy that we know that Sutton is going to go see Abby and intercut these two sequences. So he's trying to figure out this phone. And also, I, I didn't think it would be easy. No. I mean, he, if, if you've never seen an iPhone before, uh, forget the fact that my 18-month-old can figure it out. <laughs> but if you've never seen it before... Uh, it would take a while, and so I, I, when we, I came up with the, the you know slide the phone across yes. you know to to start, like he actually pushes it across the table, <laughs> thinking, well, that's what I mean. But even when the screen lights up, to, to see that kind of screen would just freak you out. So uh, I really wanted you know to and and Paul and I discussed this as as he was shooting it. By the way, Paul Edwards just. Every episode he did for us was was a, just a, a dream and a treat. And this was the the third one that I wrote that I got to do. But I've, I've worked on you know all of them with him, and just um, he became he was so good. He became our producing director for the back half of season That's two, great. and just um, just phenomenal. Um, and um, you know really gets both the comedy and the action yes. uh, in, in the episodes. And and so he and Tom they just they just had a lot of fun with that scene and playing. You know Tom's reaction as he tried to figure out how to use an iPhone just based on 
the minimal information of the password is my birthday and it's a rectangular yes. object. Yes. And I liked that the password was his birthday. Yeah. That... Which, yeah. That's, that's my my birthday month and my wife's birthday date. Ah, I see. Fun, <laughs> fun little fact. Uh, um, which it was either going to be that or my daughter's who was born the, the day I got the job um, working on Sleepy Hollow. Oh, wow. In season one. Yeah, it was before before we started. It was right after the pilot was shot. Yeah, and um, actually, she went into labor while we were seeing Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs> that's but, so appropriate. Yeah. That's like how fitting, right? Oh my god, that's actually a great story. Um, so, okay, Ichabod figures this out. He he believes Abby. He sees these videos of them. Uh, meanwhile, Sutton is coming for Abby. Now, okay, this scene is. N- this had to have been a tough scene to do delicately um, because, yeah. you know, we know what the subject matter is. And I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because, you know, if one reads on paper the idea mm-hmm. of, you know, we've, you know, we've put this female lead, we've put this character back in a time where she will be persecuted and in big trouble, like one could go, what? But. I felt like... As, as people have done before they've seen the episode. It's true. It's true. But my... So my own personal uh, identifying with this is I, I'm Jewish. And when mm. I went and saw Inglorious Bastards, I was just like... We're going to have to bleep this. But I was like, yeah, right? Like you mm-hmm. see them really show up and change history and get and in this time where these people are persecuted and they blow up Hitler and they or they kill Hitler and they blow up the movie theater and like you just go yeah um and so when I watched this scene I was just like it was so it was so exhilarating because you know like the Sleepy Hollow I feel and this is just my own opinion but you know we when we examine these episodes and these historical figures and this period of time, you know, there's so much brilliance that happens. Like it happened in this history and there's so many um, incredible things that happened in establishing this country and, you know, with modern thinking or new modern thinking and all of these things. But there's this all this horrible atrocity that is forever tied to this. Absolutely. So it's such Absolutely. a delicate balance to, to do this. But I thought, I mean, it was, it was very important empowering for me to watch as a fan well thanks well it's it's part of the fabric of the show and part of the fabric of our country and i think you can't ignore it and the tricky part is that you know this show is really a romp and a lot of fun and entertaining and we don't want to ever get too mired in you know in anything being like an issue or a you know, uh, something that is taken so seriously that it's not fun anymore. Right. Um, but I think that there's room, particularly in the show, and in fact, it's it's part of what we have to do to be true to this show, right. to shine a light on these issues and let them play out. And I thought like, it was established beautifully in the pilot mm-hmm. when Crane, as soon as he says her, you know, is surprised to see Abby as a l- lieutenant mm-hmm. and says, well, you know, guess what? I was, you know, for the abolitionist movement, um, you know, in front of the New York Assembly. And she's completely taken aback <laughs> yeah. by that, as she should be. Um, but this is the time period that they lived in. And so to pretend that it didn't exist would be a complete disservice mm-hmm. to, you know, to the authenticity of, of the show and, and to something that's a part of our history. So we wanted to do it. Um, and you're right. It, it was the other 
tough part about this scene for me in writing it is Sutton is is actually on our side. Like mm-hmm. he's supposed to be one of the good guys. Right. Even and then and but what was nice was that it did exactly what you said is even the good guys were very flawed. Right. Um and we had to show that. And so this guy's particularly flawed. He's an to crane mm-hmm. um, he uh, you know is very stuck in his ways he's kind of a you know really by the numbers uh, you know colonel who has a war to fight and has seen somebody who he told crane was a distraction not to deal with her mm-hmm. and here she is and she's completely whatever she's done you know it got Franklin killed and lost him one of his you know trusted men yep. so he's gonna he's just gonna beat her yeah um, and you know at one of the way I was thinking, well, you know, if this were a typical episode, maybe I'd just turn him into a monster at some point and then he could battle her and, and it would be a little more acceptable mm-hmm. because that's in the fantasy realm we can do that. Um, but I, th- I thought it would be um, uh, just more, I don't know, more real yeah. in a way for her to face him as a as a human and to say <laughs> to try to give him a warning like yeah. look look you know what i i've been to combat training i understand close quarters combat i and we know how to do it a lot better than you do mm-hmm. so you know um don't mess with me and i i've told you once i know the future i know uh stuff that will help you i'm on your side mm-hmm. and she makes it very clear to him and he's not listening so he deserved what he got. And she kicks his ass. And she kicks his ass very quickly. <laughs> it was awesome. So, okay. So here comes Ichabod. They team up and they go to, they're on the on the move to Frederick's Manor. And good old Frederick's Manor. Like, who who would have yeah. known that Grace Dixon and Frederick's Manor. Uh, wait, I just want one, one other yes. thing. There's a little bit more. We shot the scene on the, uh, of the selfie. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm going to try to get that to, uh, maybe we can put it online. There's, there's a little bit more to that scene that's really fun really yeah um so maybe i'll see if we can put that up a little more scripted or yeah was it? we script yeah we scripted a, a scene that we shot for the two of them in the cabin um and so uh yeah i'll see if i can i can get that I'm, out there i'm sure there would be a lot of fans who would like to see that so uh they're walking to frederick's manor and uh abby tells ichabod that you know there was a time when katrina was good and and you know she she saved both of their lives and i thought that that was a really good, appropriate thing. Um, Because, you know, I feel like it is, it honors the whole journey. Because Mm -hmm. it would be really easy to just be like, so Katrina, right? Like, you know, and and yet, you know, Abby knows that this is a man who... Up, who loves his wife currently. Yeah. You know, he's so madly in love with her. And he, now he knows she's pregnant. And he probably is just, like, going through a lot. Yeah, well, you know, it was a challenge um, all, all season. We wanted to pay uh, respect to the fact that this this is the love of his life. Right. This is, uh, you know, and he spent all of season one trying to rescue her from purgatory. And now, basically, he's had to go through... What he did in two seasons, he has to do in about, you know, uh, five minutes. Yeah. He's got a process that this woman isn't any any of the things that he thought, and she's evil. And that journey took 230 years, mm-hmm. um, although he didn't see that journey. Right. So I, I thought it was, it was both, you know, savvy of Ab- Abby and – you know, showing her empathy mm-hmm. to understand that her, her partner is really going through a lot right yeah. now. And he's put it all on the line to now entrust his future 
to her, and he's just trying to understand what the hell happened and who she is. And and you know, it, it was it was it was a nice kind of you know moment to write to to have her um, really try to say, look, she's she hasn't always been this way, and she really tried and. I don't really understand all, all everything, and you know nobody ever completely understands anybody's motives. But I can tell you that there was a time when she really did love you, and she was good, and she helped both of us mm-hmm. through through many crises. And, well, and so I thought that was that was good for Crane to hear. Absolutely, and it's also I mean I'm not trying to like belabor the point, but it, it's the woman that is present, like meaning Katrina. In that moment, right, Katrina existing on the earth while he and Abby are walking to Frederick's Manor is 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 future Katrina, which which has to be extra confusing, right? Yeah. Like literally, the woman he said goodbye to that morning is not the same woman who is there now. I mean, that's like that's the magic part, but yeah. that's also just got to be like this is insane. I can't. I mean, I'm just I'm just saying. I'm out. If, yeah. yeah. If I were a goodbye, Green, I'd be like, what the hell is going on? Um, as he is. So speaking of Katrina, though, she, she's in the uh, the medical you know area and uh, and she's talking. Yeah, to, she's still tracking. Them. Yeah, and she. Um, uh, she gets the blood, a little bit of the blood, to find Abby and and Crane. But also, she 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 kills Sutton, doesn't she? It, she, she has no choice. Yeah, you know she can't she can't let him survive. Now um, he knows too much, and and he's also going to be after Crane and Abby. Right, and she doesn't need anything else to go wrong. That's right. So she's she's also got one mission. It's it's really saving her son, and that means she's got to take care of Crane and Abby. Yep. So meanwhile, Abby and uh, so they get to they get to Frederick's Manor, and Abby and Grace finally they get to meet. Yeah. And in, in, in yeah. that that is such a cool moment. That's such a cool no moment. And that that character of Grace Dixon, I, I mentioned it with Raven last week. Um, you know, he she and Corbin, or maybe it was I mentioned this with Damian Kindler. And, and Phil, but regardless, like that character and Corbin are these mm-hmm. two characters who have very little screen time total, like total minutes, you know. But they loom over that they they're just like these guardian angels of the entire season or series, they really are, yeah. which is so cool, and it's so great for Abby, you know, Abby's name. Well, the after. impact of bo- of what both of them left, yeah, uh, for Abby. Um, the the gifts that they gave them and sort of the yeah almost guardian angel like presence I think r- really helped them through many episodes whether they were physically there with them or not and so um, yeah it was it was really nice and again something that was I thought important to to show that Abby gets to gets to meet her ancestor whose book she had been journal she had been using. You know, through part of most of the season, and was what helped them uh, kill Moloch, and so um, it re- was really Im- impactful. And it has to be super validating for Abby's character to have Grace recognize her as a witness. I mean, it's like it kind of must feel a little like validation in a way. Like I would assume if you're a witness and you're on this epic <laughs> journey and you're just like, what am I doing to have this person, this figure who means so much to you recognize you as such? It, it kind of it's it's just nice. Yeah. And especially, you know, when, um, you know, not that long before. Uh, you're a little bit responsible for Franklin's death, right? Indeed. Um, to know, okay, this I am. I'm doing it right. Yeah. Like I'm supposed to be here, and and I'm really I'm doing my best. Yeah. And um, 
and th- this is where I'm supposed to be right now is I'm meeting meeting Grace. It was nice. It was a really cool moment. But cool. we, in meeting Grace, we find out that these uh, the defenses around Frederick's Manor are going to have to go down in order to use all the magic to to set things right. That's right. Um, and so in come, uh, in come Katrina and the horseman, who's not headless yet, and uh, and they have to sort of they have to fight outside. Um, and and also, but I don't want to skip over this nice moment of um, you know Ichabod and Abby kind of. Oh yeah. Like, you know, they have this really nice like, okay, well, you he has to go out there and here we go and this is it and I'll see. It's almost like um Doc and Marty, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I know. Yeah, I did I watched Back to the Future several times <laughs> as I was writing this, but one I mean, what I wanted to do, I I just I love them together and I wanted each to kind of have a moment from their time and Crane to think about the wonder of oh my god i'm going to meet you again yeah. and not know who and i get to do experience all of this 230 years from now in your world mm-hmm. like what's that going to be like yeah. that's i would love to be able to do that like i, I to go hey i'm going to get to be around in you know tw- 2237 that that'd be pretty wild yeah. you know? and, and i'll meet you then that'd be pretty cool to think about so he's he's getting to say that to abby and then you know, well, speaking of which, she's going to share a, a custom that, yes. <laughs> that, uh, yes. that, uh, that they do in, in modern times and give them a hug. And, and just the simplicity of a hug, but it's so awkward for 1781 Crane. <laughs> right. so, but it was really sweet. Yeah. It was like a very sweet moment. And um, yeah, I, I feel super like, I don't feel lame saying this, but like there was, there were, I think twice during this episode, I teared up a little bit. Really? I did. It was, it was emotional. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but it was a, this moment, cause look, we've all been on, if you are a fan of the show and you're invested in the show, we've been on this journey and there's been so much and I feel like this is this the moment of resolution or about to be the moment of or could be the moment of resolution you know and so it's just like this huge it just is it's just strong it's like a you know what I mean it's it's all culminating that's what I'm trying to say um and uh so okay so Ichabod goes outside and and he fights the horseman um which just out of my own curiosity like was there ever um you know was there a temptation or did you guys set out to sort of try and recreate the original fight Absolutely you know what what's great about this show is we actually had the same stunt guys oh, wow. from the pilot and so I'm getting to work with them <laughs> and and Paul and we we really we sat we actually picked an area of land at Frederick's Manor in which we could um almost, uh, you know, blow for blow recreate the first part of the battle. The only thing is I wanted it to continue mm-hmm. so the horseman doesn't strike Crane's chest. But the first three blows mm-hmm. are almost identical to the blows in the pilot. And I remember sitting there working with a stunt coordinator as as we scripted it out and saying, okay, here's how – and then here's how we'll continue mm-hmm. it and he'll swing over his head and we'll do this. And it was just – it was really fun. Yeah. It was really fun. From the moment of literally we wanted the horseman to ride up and mm-hmm. Crane to shoot him down and then have him sort of ramp up. And that was actually something in editing. Uh, a- Andrew Coates, who, who's the editor on this, just – I mean, just killed it. Like I, I just watching the first cut of, of this, uh, the director's cut, was just like, oh, yeah, this is – you know, this is only going to take me two or three days and yeah. we'll, we'll be able to send it to the network. 
Um, and it did. I think we, well, we also didn't have any more time than that. But, <laughs> uh, but like we watched it on a Monday and, and I spent two days with him. And by Wednesday afternoon, we were able to ship it. Um, but, um, you know, he, he, we worked on the scene, the sequence where the horseman rises up and and watched the way he did in the pilot to make sure that mirrored. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of like very subtle nods to what Len Weissman and um, the guys did in the pilot. And so and then and then again wanted to you know use that as a starting point and then take it in a different direction. Um, so it continues and then we have you know an act out where the horseman's finally got him, uh, got Crane. So. Um, yeah, it, it came together really nicely, though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Except it was freezing. Was it? It was uh, 30 degrees. Oh, my gosh. Um, which usually it's not that bad. And then, well, actually, now that I think about it, it was 30 degrees during the day. It got down to about 5. Wow. Um, it was one of the coldest days in you know recent history wow. in Wilmington when we were shooting. Which I guess mirrored the pilot because I think when they shot that, even though it was March, it was one of the coldest days in <laughs> – um, <laughs> it was just destiny, in, I suppose. Yeah, in Charlotte. So, <laughs> so, um, so as this is happening inside, Grace and Abby are, you know, are are doing the spell. But and Grace, you know, tells Abby that there's there's a lot more to this story. Yeah, and um, she has this line about the important part in the journal. And uh, you know, I, I I'm just curious if that was um, kind of always the plan. Yeah, there are a couple of little Easter eggs I wanted to leave for season three. One is in the Franklin conversation with Abby where, uh, you know, he's saying that he's been grooming Crane for years. Mm -hmm. And Abby, you know, smart enough to ask, well, so, (laughs) you know, who else knows about this? And he's like, there there are levels. And, um, yeah, you you know, I'm surprised you're not – you haven't been contacted by anyone Mm -hmm. yet. Uh, So that's kind of a, you know – Maybe maybe something will come of that in the future. Uh, and then also at the end when she shows – when Grace shows Abby these blank pages in the journal and says, guess what? These are your pages to, to fill out. The, the most important battles in this war uh, have, have yet to be um, fought. And so, you know, the um, – they were they were all things that really you know we, we came up with in the room and and um, crafted into the episode to just try to start to lay the groundwork for uh, future episodes. Sure. So um, so that being said, I stopped writing. That for me, who's like a as I've said before, Kevin Spacey in Seven, compulsive note taker. <laughs> I I just had to stop writing i was like i have to watch this oh cool so so the the spell works they go back just in time just in time how convenient uh for our heroes but um it works um but oh, but that was another thing you know when when i scripted it you know of course and and by the way we have a very healthy budget on this show mm-hmm. and, and fox has been very generous with you know letting us you know do a lot of things that really get to make a, a mini movie every mm-hmm. week um, which you don't get to do on a lot of shows. Um, but to do the sequence that I think people have seen before where, you know, you freeze frame and then pivot camera, that that takes like 50 cameras and stop motion and, sure. it, you know, often costs, you know, half a million dollars a shot. And um, so that – and it would have taken probably three or four weeks to, to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Paul's ingenuity, um, we came up with a way to shoot the – 
that mirrors that um, on a way that that we could actually achieve. Mm-hmm. And um, and I thought it was very effective. And so we actually had the, the horsemen freeze and um, all of the uh, grace freezes and everyone except for Abby and Katrina. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it worked really well. And our VFX department came up with just this, this really cool way of, of showing that these – they were dandelion seeds starting to dance mm-hmm. and build and, and swirl. And um, all, all of that came together really well. But it was something that, um, you know, we all kind of took a leap of faith that we could make work. Mm-hmm. And did. And there it is. So they well, go. They, we do that a lot on our show. It's like, uh, yeah. Let's cross our fingers. Hope this works. We're, we're going to try something we've never done before. There, well, that's good though. Like it keeps it exciting. Yeah, it really um, does. So they go back. They go back. It, the spell works. They're back in. Uh, they're back in. And 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 present day. And Henry has just passed. And you know Katrina's there. And Ichabod's there. And I, you know ultimately Ichabod has to kill Katrina, which is so like. But you know. It felt like it needed to happen, yeah. um, and but that had to have been a a tough choice to make, or maybe like an interesting thing to script in terms of who does it, how it happens, how to handle it, um, and then also yeah. for the actors. Yeah, it was really tough. It was bittersweet for all of us, you know. Starting with episode seventeen, we knew at the end of that episode, Henry was going to die. Right. Um, which was really sad. I, I I just adore John. I mean, John Noble's brilliant and added so much to the show and um, really just a phenomenal presence. Um, but we had played that story out and, you know, there, there may be more that we see, but that, that as a, you know, storyline felt like this was the right way to go. Um, and um, really for Crane, not for Abby, but for Crane, Seconds later, after mm-hmm. seeing his son die, now he's watching Katrina kill Abby. Yeah. Um, so within seconds, one of these two women has got to go, uh, and he's got no choice, and he's trying to wrestle with her. And you know, I actually did go through a couple. You know, as I was you know brainstorming it out, there are a couple different iterations of how culpable do we want Crane. You know, um, does he want to, you know, would he stab her with a knife? Would he, um, We, you know, we shot Henry. Did, would it be something that's more accidental? Yeah. And really came up with this um, dance almost um, where he's holding her and she, you know, he, she, um, you know, whips that, the, the knife into her hand so that he can't get it. So he's, tr- he's wrestling with her for that. But her focus is pulled. She can't also hold Abby at the same time. Right. And that's what gives gives Crane enough strength to take her on. And while they're while they're wrestling, you know, he's able to knock the book out of her hand um and just, you know, the the knife goes where it goes. Yeah. Um but it was, you know, it was also a question of how much do we want to show. Sure. Um and you know, we wanted I, I it felt necessary that Crane does it, especially and this is actually something, you know, we talked about um this was pretty early on in the season when when I, we knew this was gonna be the way we went. Um that it didn't feel right to have Crane kill both Henry and Katrina. Mm. Um that's just that's too much. And they're partners, so one should kill one and one the other. And, and so Abby kills Henry at the end of 17, yeah. and Crane has to finish his wife um, to save Abby in 18. And that seems like enough motivation is there. Um, he's got to save Abby. 
And however he has to do that, he has to do it. And as hard as it's going to be, this crane, now we're back with present-day crane, he understands, you know, he's he's lived a little bit more of that journey with her and and he's ready. Well, and it feels appropriate, too, because, you know, we talked about this last week on uh, with Raven um, in terms of, you know, Ichabod really gives Katrina multiple opportunities and, mm-hmm. and really b- pleads with her um, to to please like come. Not, don't go. Don't go there. Don't don't cross over. Yeah, this is something Raven and I went through a lot as we were crafting 17 was just, you know, there, there's a line of um, you you. We wanted Crane. He's got to give the love of his life the chance, and love is blind. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he has to be smart enough to know the consequences. Yeah. And he's he can't. He's got to see through her, and he can't seem too oblivious to the facts in front of him. Yeah. And so, you know, in crafting both Katrina as a character who she doesn't make that turn so quickly, she's torn too. Absolutely. You know, she asks Henry earlier on, on in that episode, but what what of Ichabod right. and what of what of your father? You know, it's not like she doesn't she still has these feelings that she's had for two hundred years and she's been fighting them. And mm-hmm. I think once she finally embraces it, then she's all in. Right. And that's her personality. Yeah. Um but uh and and Crane also you know accepts that. Yeah. Um but he has to walk that walk in seventeen of saying, I'm gonna give you every opportunity and he does in that episode you know, be careful what you say mm-hmm. now. Some things cannot be unsaid. I'm giving you one last chance. Okay, this I really mean it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? I, there's no going back for me either. Yeah. And when you reach that point of no return, then, you know, but then it, you continue forward. And it felt earned, though. Like, it didn't feel like, you know, again, last week it felt like, you know what? Um, it would. It's true to his character and it's true to their marriage and it's respectful of all of those things. And everybody has made a definitive choice. And now here we are having to watch the... The, this happen, um, but I, I wanted yeah. to ask. About- we did it. You know, it was funny. We did it with with a knife, um, and it was a this blood magic knife, which we figured was was powerful enough to kill her because it was her blood magic knife. Mm-hmm. Um, in the initial inception, um, I actually had there was a, a knife in Frederick's manor mm. that was hidden in a floorboard that Grace shows to her. And even though history has been unwound, that knife is still there in sure. present day. Um, however, for production reasons, we moved the scene out of Frederick's Manor and put it in this old city hall. Mm-hmm. So I could know. So we weren't. We were no longer in that location. So we used her blood knife. But it was kind of, it, and it still worked just as effectively. Um, but I just thought a little, little random. Um, yeah. You know, no, behind that, the scenes. That's interesting. Well, and so I wanted to ask to, um, you know, as we as we sign it, kind of come to the end of this, um, I wanted to ask about Ichabod's reaction. Um, yeah. Was there yeah. was there ever like you know did you guys shoot it multiple ways? Was there any conversation about because it for some like my initial impulse was to assume that it would be like a no kind of thing but then but that's not what it is and also it doesn't it didn't even it was just like this very solemn somber quiet that's how i read it anyway kind of reaction from ichabod but i'm curious you know if there was any yeah there was a there was a lot of discussion about what that moment should be at at every level um but what i i finally i kind of resolved on and um, you know, Tom and I discussed at length was 
um, giving him that space mm-hmm. that it didn't, we didn't need to fill it with words. Um, there really wasn't anything that anybody could say to him at that moment that would be more powerful. And again, Tom is such a brilliant actor. Um, I just wanted to let it breathe and, and give him a moment to just kind of um, just sit with what had happened. And, uh, and, and I thought that that played very effectively. And so then even when, when Abby comes up to him, you know, and says, uh, you know, we, you know, you had no choice. We all did. Mm-hmm. Um, that really kind of summarized. Um, sometimes I think about the fa- in The Fugitive, mm-hmm. you know, the movie The Fugitive. Yeah. There's a scene between Tommy Lee Jones and I know exactly where you know the scene where I'm talking about yeah. and Harrison Ford where um, he's standing at the in the tunnel and he's at the edge of, of Niagara Falls and um, in the script it was a five page scene where. Harrison Ford is saying, I'm innocent, I really didn't do anything, and Tommy Lee Jones is blah, blah, blah. And, they, and they, he basically says everything that's happened up to that point before he jumps and trying to explain. And it was to give Tommy Lee Jones the ammunition to go, look, I'm really a good guy and you're on the wrong side of this and you know, give me a chance. And what we ended up seeing on screen is like, I'm innocent, I don't care. Yeah. Two, two lines back and forth. And, and that's, that's, uh, that was all we needed to know um, for the reality of that scene, and and sometimes I, I think about that a lot, and and so I just gave you know Abby and and um, Crane you know one exchange there, and to let them sit with it, and and that summarized because we we've just experienced this with them, and mm-hmm. so then to let them sit, and then and then I this is actually something you know I, I talked to Paul about uh, on the day because at first we were going to have that transition into Jenny and. Um, uh, you know, Irvin coming in, and I said, no, you know what? I'd rather do a time lapse. Mm-hmm. And so we we set up another shot um, where we're just on Crane, and he's had a little bit of time to digest. And again, assuming in that time, you know, they've talked a little bit, and they've 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 kind of had the wrap up that we normally get to see. I just it didn't feel like we needed it. Yeah. So. Well, um, and I wanted to want the the kind of the big the another thing I wanted to sort of mention and sort of give credit for or give credit to is the idea that you guys don't you guys the, it seems like the series and the show really has an um, a sympathy for Katrina, and I think that's really fair. I really do. I like that she gets to see Henry. I like mm-hmm. that she. It, it's almost like it's not. It's clearly not a happy ending because she's dead. She's lost everything. But it's kind of like. Like her version of the happiest ending. Um, you know, I might be reading yeah. too much into that, but like it seemed to me like they were finally a little, a little lame is there. Yeah, like but they <laughs> but, finally get to be together, and and it's like it is what it is. They're together, and that's the pairing. Yeah, and and I also wanted it to be that um, when Crane looks, he doesn't see anything. Yeah. Um, this is just for Katrina. This is this is where she's going, or where she thinks she's going. And so, um, and that also lent a little ambiguity to: mm-hmm. Did is he really there? Is she really going on? Um, can he come back? Is he really in spirit? Uh, you know, around in some form? And does that mean she will be? And so, I think it, it leaves open some questions. Um, but also, but but for Crane, he looks in there. You know, she's just staring into you know the abyss mm-hmm. and, and saying, "Jeremy." Um, but you know, I, I did, I, I thought it was a, a good final moment yeah. for her, um, and kind of a, an extension of, of her wishes and what, where she had finally gone and been sort of comfortable with, 
um, in her journey. And then there we go. And and then off to fight another day. Well, there there's a little bit more. I mean, Jenny and Irving do get to yes. to come back, and again, that was that was very important for me mm-hmm. that we got to see. And it's a long throw from episode seventeen. Right. Um, just didn't seem like there was anywhere in seventeen eighty one to to fit them into the story. Sure. Um, but I, they are such an incredible part of the show. Yeah. Uh, and the, that story was really fun in 17. And now that Irving is back, I thought it was important to bring them in and have these four character, characters together um, and let Abby share just, you know, just a tease of, of what she had experienced that none of them did over, yeah. the, over the last, you know, what's been – a minute for them has has been you know three days for her right um, and um, and then you know the the last line um, is really again sort of a callback to what they just went through where she calls him captain yeah. which she kept forgetting to do in the past it was an it was a nice moment and I like the the, the four of them together yeah. at the core of this show. These are these are this is our team, and yeah. you know, yes, it's obviously Abby and Ichabod, but it really is Frank and Jenny. There, this is the team, yeah. and I, I, you know, it was it was kind of like this threat has been resolved for the time and for the time being, and now here are our main players, and they're united and they're together. Yeah, it's really. I mean, it's fun. You know, th- three of them were in the pilot, and then actually one of the the first pieces of casting I did was was casting Lindy as as Jenny um in initially we cast her in the third episode mm. um which was the first one where we really had a story and then we were a little bit short mm-hmm. in the what was the first episode to air um or actually I should take that back she was she was cast for the second episode mm-hmm. and she wasn't in the first episode and then we were a little bit short and we wrote a, a um uh, tag to the episode where she we get to see her in in Terrytown Psychiatric, mm-hmm. and um, immediately we just we all kind of fell in love with her, and so um, you know put put her in as much as we could. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was imp- very important I thought to, to have them all together there, Mister so. and Mrs. Bamf, and and <laughs> then we have Ichabod and Abby. So it's a it's a crazy episode. It's a great episode, and that's that's Thanks. that's the wrap up to our our season two. It's like wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a really exciting season. Um, Fifty percent more than season one. <laughs> New and improved. Um, but yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it was. It's. It's. I'm really proud of of what we all you know got to do this this year, and uh, um, you know, I'm, and thank you for being a big part of it Aww. this year. I think this has been also a real treat for us to get to do. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed doing it. Obviously, if you can't tell. <laughs> so, all right, Mark. Well, thank you so much for discussing this with us. I I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Katrina? I'm sorry. So it's over. This part is over. But Grace told me that this war is not over. Grace? Wish you were there. She told me that the most crucial battles are still ahead of us. This is why we're here. All of us together. 
And there you have it, Sleepy Heads, episode 218, the season two finale of Sleepy Hollow. Oh my gosh, did you all enjoy our conversation? I really, really hope you did. And for those of you who are still listening, that clip that Mark described, uh, the extended scene of Ichabod and Abby on the selfie video is actually up for you to watch on Nerdist.com. See, I'm looking out for you people. Anything I can do for my fellow sleepy heads. Now, Sleepycast is not over, friends. We are sitting down with Mr. Mark Goffman at 9.30 Pacific Standard Time today, Tuesday. So if you are listening to this before then, go ahead and send in your questions. But if you are listening to this after, don't forget that we have a brand new episode of the Sleepy Cast airing next week. That's going to be our Sleepy Cast season finale. We are also sitting down with Miss Lindy Greenwood this week. Yes, can you believe it? Miss Jenny Mills herself. She is going to be our guest on the Sleepy Cast next week in addition to Mr. Mark Goffman. So send me your questions for Lindy at Clark Wolf. Clark with an E, Wolf with an E on Instagram and Twitter. Facebook.com slash official Clark Wolf on Facebook. And of course, you can use our handy dandy sleepycast gmail that's sleepycastpod pod at gmail.com we got one episode left kids it's not over yet in the meantime thank you all so very much for listening to the sleepycast if you are new to the show we've got a ton of episodes covering season one and season two with all of the casting crew with the exception of tom meisen our white whale we'll get him next season right guys all right thanks so much for listening and until next Next week, sweet dreams. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 